This is Fam Electric Ghost, and we're live on the air with Angela uh, Kelly Smith for the first time. Thank you for being on our show. How are you doing tonight? I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, we are, if you can see the little icon, on the, uh, we're on Newsly, uh, that we're a feature podcast on Newsly, the Fam Electric Ghost Show. So you can check us out within an hour. We'll be on that platform. If you use uh, coupon code GHOST, you can get one month free premium subscription so you can stop scrolling and start listening to your uh, favorite news articles and podcasts. Again, we're our featured podcast on Newsly. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you. I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be great. So like, you are a um, podcast uh, in multiple areas. A person, you've, you've have, you're the host of the podcast, The Launchpad. You're the co-host of the Geek Girl Soup Podcast, founder of the Women Podcasters Academy, and you're author of the Amazon bestseller, The Podcast Launch Playbook. So that's, that's yeah. really focused on podcasting. All things <laughs> so podcasting. <laughs> when did you get that focus? When did you start in podcasting? I started in podcasting in 2012, January 2012, as a co-host with Geek Girl Soup. A couple of buddies started that mm -hmm. one like two months earlier, invited me to do an episode on video games. I was playing Skyrim at the time, really into Skyrim. I played a few other <laughs> video games, but that was my big one then. I'm like, sure. I had never listened to a podcast before, but I love public speaking. I was in coaching at that point. I had done teleclasses. You know, this is before webinars. People would actually get on the phone and listen to a teleclass mm. for an hour. It was wild. And the podcasting bug bit me and they kept me on as a regular co-host. So I've been doing that for 11 years. And I did my own interview-based live podcast at Blog Talk Radio for about a year. And yes, stop that. That was uh, 2012, 13. I've, I'm still with Geek Girl Soup and then started a business one called Marketing Chat Podcast. I'm phasing that one out. It still has a few more to go. And then Podcast Launchpad is to help mostly women entrepreneurs use podcasting as a marketing tool for their business. And that's my focus. That's what I help people do. That That's really interesting because I fell into podcasting in 2016. Um, I'm a musician on SoundCloud and this guy named Rock Tunes out of New York City sent me this email and said, hey, I, I like all your music on SoundCloud. Let's do an interview. We, we jived together so good. We did a podcast for like six months. Well, we just talked wow. about music. It was just, and then from there, I said, well, why don't I go and take all these musicians on Instagram and do a behind the music type of interview with them, audio. And that was back on a tool called, uh, back, back in the day called Sparrowman before mm -hmm. Anchor. Uh, and then yeah. I did that and then moved to Anchor and then moved to StreamYard. And then I do some other stuff uh, with like a bunch of other platforms, but it just uh, opened up. This, my world as a musician, and people say, well, why would you do that if you're a musician or producer? Why are you taking time away from your production work? I said, well, because it actually is better than paying for bots. <laughs> because <laughs> it, it, people find, found out, say, who's this ghost guy? And then I get people traffic into my music. So I have, yeah. you know, it's kind of like just because I do this, uh, kind of, I, I work with other people and I, I bring attention to other topics to people outside of me. 
and it brings attention to my lane, which is interesting. And I get work. Like I end up getting a lot of uh, leads working on projects. So I end up working with other producers. I end up writing music with, I'm working on with a Japanese producer and a couple other producers. So that's how I got into it. And they wouldn't say, well, why doesn't it doesn't make sense? But he's like, it does make sense. <laughs> totally. But, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, so you got it sounds like you got into it for fun and passion. But podcasting really is great, like as a lead magnet, if you will, like, I mean, totally getting your yeah. name out there, being known for this area of expertise. And it's really a great marketing tool, like no matter what business you're in. And, you know, so at Geek Girl Soup, that is totally for fun. That is a hobby. We talk about movies, TV shows, and diversity, mm -hmm. equity, and inclusion in the film and TV industry. And we just love it. That is for fun. And then my other ones are part of my business. You know, they are marketing tools for my business, but I love them. They are fun. They are not a chore. Like for me, social media feels like a chore. I do not love doing that, but I do it, you know, to promote my podcast and to get my name out there. But I have found it much more effective to get my name out there with my podcast. Yeah, because a lot of musicians, I mean, they moved into TikTok and reels and shorts and I have taken my podcast and then done clips. Yes. You know, I do I do video clips like 30 to 90 seconds and some places like three minutes to five minutes, depending mm -hmm. on what, what you can do. Um, and I found that that type of, that type of use of social media actually works for, for mm -hmm. at least for what I'm trying to do. Um, and, uh, you know, social media is, is hard cause you gotta always be engaged. But the thing about being a musician, we have lots of music yes. and the cool thing about TikTok and reels is where a record company might say, hold this for six months and you gotta do this and do that, go through A&R. You can just go on TikTok and put up demos all day. And True. it actually works. And yeah. so with being a musician, that, that that actually gives us a place to put all this material that we didn't know where to put it. And now we can put it and we can keep an engagement with an audience. And I think that's what's cool about a podcast, though, is that you get that, that longer um, form in a world where people only want to spend 15 seconds on something right. or 20 seconds on something. It's cool to be in a form that goes 30 minutes to an hour. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's like radio. I think why, why yeah. do people still listen to radio? Yeah. And people do <laughs> listen to the whole podcast. Yeah. Did you find it like, like that? Yeah. 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 Like people, no matter how long, I mean, okay. The most popular length for a podcast is like 20 to 40 minutes. But even when they're an hour, 80% of podcast listeners listen to 80% or more of the whole episode. So basically, they're listening to the whole episode. And they're not doing that with a blog. You know, they're scanning a blog for just a few seconds. And even with videos, they tend to fast forward through them. So mm -hmm. they are absorbing or they're paying attention to a podcast, even though they're listening while driving or while doing household chores or walking the dog. But they're, they don't have to be tethered to their screen. And they love that. So they put it on, they're driving, they're cooking, cleaning, and we're in their ear. 
you know, we've got them, we've got their attention. And I love that. And it's similar to like when they put your music on, you know, they put on iTunes or Apple music. Now, I guess they don't really call it iTunes anymore or Spotify. And they're listening while they're doing something else, but it's there. We're in their heads. We're in their ears. And you gotta love that. Yeah. Well, the engagement on podcasts is so interesting. Because as a musician, I can see my royalties on my music. Mm-hmm. And music is notorious. Our royalty rates are like very bad. Yeah. My podcast rates are so much bigger mm-hmm. than my my music rates is part of the reason why I'm podcasting. <laughs> but <laughs> you, you could have like thousands and thousands of plays, you know, tens of thousands, hundred thousand plays, a million plays. And the rate is smaller than the rate for a podcast. Yeah. And so it's because the video realm is like a real rate is higher than a music rate. Mm. You know, a TikTok rate is higher than a music rate. Music since like Napster has been devalued. Yeah. You know, you don't make the money as a musician. You have to tour, you have to do merch, you have to sell shirts. Right. You have to do everything other than your music, yeah. you know, unless you get it licensed. And so right. podcasting became another way for musicians to kind of get out here and and talk and you know we initially like got deep dives into music production kind of like a geek type of producer oriented show and then we started you know talking to a lot of merging and independent bands and focusing on female singer songwriters Mm. in which nobody had really been the main focus and that's what i did for many years and i still do it but it, it, it is interesting that people are willing to listen to a podcast longer than a song. You know, the average yeah. people will listen to a song like 30 seconds yeah. or, you know, they bounce around, they are on playlists. They won't listen to albums as much, but true podcasters, like people will actually go and do the whole hour. So it's a really good opportunity, I think for marketing, you know, and that's why, yes. I have, you know, I actually have sponsors and I have, you know, pitches that I'll run because the people, the companies are like, wow, these like, even if you're a small podcaster, you you can get engagement from some companies that, that want to reach an authentic audience and fi- figure like, this is an authentic person that's mm-hmm. actually doing something they love. And so they like this, like micro level uh, influencer seems Absolutely. to be like a lot of businesses seem to, do you find the same thing that they're getting into that, that that's what you're kind of pitching to your audience too? Absolutely. And another way to make money through your podcast without going the ads or sponsor route is to get partners. And so how that works a little bit differently from a sponsorship is you do it, you can do it shorter term, even for like, just let's say like three months, six months, you can do it for a year. They don't take over any creative control. Like some sponsors do, you know, not all sponsors do. And they may pay you outright, or you may get their product or service for free during that time. So it's a really nice trade-off. But again, no creative control, no telling you what you can and can't do with your show. And Mm -hmm. you get either money for a set amount of time, you know, you put that in the agreement, or their product or service for free during that amount of time. So it's a really cool way. We've been able, you know, as a musician, like this mic we have, we mm. got we got that because we, they yeah. basically wanted us to use it on the podcast, and we did, and we still do. Yep. And it's nice <laughs> but, and visible. <laughs> but uh, you know, being a musician, we like we just started repurpose a lot of yeah. our equipment, and it's yeah. like, well, this works because we've got cameras and we've got 
mic and we've got mixers and like, let's use that to increase the quality of what we already do for for our main thing is like you know writing music but it, it has been an adventure because we had to diversify like we didn't go as narrow we have actually gone more wide mm-hmm. you know i've had you know, commons authors ceos you know i've had uh, grammy nominated producers mm-hmm. i've had you know act you know actors uh all different types of people i mean i've started talking to psychotherapists and mm. and, and all and all different types of people I never thought I was going to talk to because my yeah. focus, you know, I'm a musician, I'm a producer, but then I started to find like in the, in this whole thing with, with a lot of people who are, uh, I guess they're like life coaches mm-hmm. and mentors. And I started to point out like, you know, John, John Paul, George and Ringo are kind of like influencers, right. <laughs> life coaches, you know, they inspired millions of people to, to yeah. get into music. So the idea that a musician can kind of have that t- conversation about like you, you could see him as a shaman you could see him as a life coach you can see him as a mentor they inspire whole movements yeah. um with dylan you know with his like you know work he did in the 60s inspired like the whole civil rights movement so there's a lot of convergence if you are open to it like if you can mm-hmm. see where things cross so i've always had a, a, a strategy to see where where art crosses in the business and business crosses in the art and that's how I've tried to, to survive in this, in this ever-changing world. I've decided to be more expansive. But I think maybe you can talk about how you can be, pick a tight niche. Yeah. So in podcasting and in business, but yeah, I, I do recommend picking as tight a niche as possible because it's easier for your podcast to get found. It's easier than to rank doesn't matter. I mean, we shouldn't pay attention to, I mean, though we do, you know, we all check our rank, but we really just need to not worry about that. But niche does help, you know, it helps with getting more followers, more listeners, more downloads and and on and on and on. And, you know, we want people to listen to our podcast. And so the tighter the niche, it easier it, the easier it is to be found because when people go looking in an app, a podcast app, or even on Google, they are looking up very specific things, especially on Google. And Google is a big way for people to find podcasts now. So, you know, in Google, they're typing in very specific questions. You know, they tend not to type in just a couple words, you know, they'll write in a whole question. And podcast episodes have the potential of coming up in those answers, especially when those keywords are in the podcast name or in the episode names. And in the podcast apps, when your podcast name has keywords, then those start to come up. You know, now in your case, you know, your name is very, very cool even though it doesn't describe what the podcast is about, you know, so that's an exception, you know, you've got a cool yeah. name and it doesn't tell what <laughs> it's, it's the about. Name of the band. Right? Yeah. It's the name <laughs> of the band. So, I mean, what we tried to do is just keep the name consistent between, you know, we didn't change it. Right. Because we wanted to, we, we, we have a, a, a method to our madness. It's like okay, yep. people find us as a podcast and they find us as a musician. So we get people who say, Oh, he's a musician. They're going to go check out, our music, check out our, yes. our records, check out our production stuff. So it's kind of like that was the whole point at the beginning. Yeah. Now that, that might makes, be a death. 
it, it might be a detriment because I'm not that specific, but in the titles, I'm starting to open up like, okay, when I talk to authors, I'll say author. If I talk to yeah. a CEO, I'll say CEO. Mm-hmm. Talk to a, a, you know, a shaman, I'll say that. Yeah. And then, you know, and yeah. it's cool, like t- tools like Podmatch give you like recommended titles or what people want, you know, so yeah. when you see a guest, you can see what they want to push. Mm-hmm. And I've always liked to do background. You know, when I go to check somebody out, I'll listen to their record. I'll look at their website or look at what they're doing so yeah. I can have a, an effective conversation. So like when you started in audio, mm-hmm. w- when for you did it shift to video? A few months in with the marketing chat podcast, at first I was just doing audio and I was then doing an interview. And of course the, and I was just doing zoom then. And, you know, so the quality isn't great, but this one, so I was not camera ready for that interview. I had, I was just wearing a house sweater. So in other words, a sweater, I never wear outside the house. I had no makeup on. I should have been, I like, I don't know why. I don't know why I was dressed like that. Like that looked disrespectful for the person I was interviewing. That was rude. But anyway, that's how I was dressed. But the energy of the interview was so good. He looked so great. His background was awesome. My background was fine. It wasn't in here. It was in a different location. And I was like, I have to share the video of this. I don't care how I look. It was just so good. The energy and everything. The content, the content was good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So from that moment on, I was camera ready. I got a ring light and a better camera. And I'm like, yeah, going to do this right. So shared video of everything, started recording my solo episodes with video. Because I do share the whole thing on YouTube, but then also making video clips out of them to share on social media is fantastic. Mm-hmm. People like video. Yeah. I've been, I've been doing, I've getting a lot of good response from Facebook reels and Instagram reels. Well, yeah. cut, I'll do a cut of like a really good section of the interview and then push it to those platforms. Yeah. And that has been very helpful and pushing my Facebook numbers up, you know, and get sometimes to get like 400% increase. Uh, 600% increase, you know, get these crazy numbers. And, and, and it really, it, it's interesting because then it becomes monetized. Like I didn't even realize they were going to pay me. And then my Facebook got monetized and my Instagram got monetized. Wow. And so I've gotten, I got the ability to get subscriptions on, on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So the podcast is generating all kinds of income streams from like the fact that you can get monetized on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook True. and TikTok and all these places They'll, yep. they'll start paying and then yep. you get all the side income and you're just doing something that initially was just doing because it's a hobby. Yeah. Was it something that was fun? I just like to chat. Yep. And, uh, and then all and, because and you I just was... turned on the camera, a nice yeah, they, camera they, they, yeah. with a light. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, like, moving from audio to video was a big move. I mean, not yes. my numbers significantly. And yeah. I'm like, wow. And even though this gets transferred, I mean, I get translated. So it will be on Apple, which right. is not video. And you right, still get a lot of numbers from, from those people who do only audio. Right. Some people don't want video. but Right. And that is key. Podcasts are audio. And the, the podcast audience wants audio. So they don't really want to hear about, 
oh, look at this. See what I'm doing in this <laughs> podcast? Look at me. No, yeah. you'll turn off your audio audience doing that, especially like too much. Occasionally it's okay. But on a regular basis, no, you want it focused on the audio. And like new podcasters who don't want to do video, totally fine. Totally fine. You're missing out with video, but podcasts are audio and we have to put the audio listeners first. Yeah, it's been really cool because of the musician focus. You know, when we show somebody something, a music video, it's mostly they still get the audio. So yes. it, 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 they miss the video. So the video person gets to see the visual. Right. But, you know, the person's watching it, but the, they can still get the vibe of it because it's it's audio. Absolutely. So that's, always, that's always been really cool that yeah. we've been able to continue that and to just, you know, be able to push the the art part of what we do is yeah. like how music and art and video all starts to collide. And we talk to cover artists and stuff and talk to people like we were talking to authors about their choices for, you know, book covers. Mm. And when you're talking about it, that's fine. You can, you, you can get the description for the conversation, but then you actually see the author show the cover of the book. Yes. And that, that, that was useful. The fact that yeah. you have that for that one set of audience and don't, they don't really have to have it, but you can right. describe it. But, um, I think it's really interesting how how this is a tool like email marketing and uh, you know cold calling. It seems like podcasting is opening up for a lot of businesses. I get, I see a lot of businesses like CEOs and you know entrepreneurs who are just kicking off like a startup. Yeah. They want to talk to influencers. They want to get into certain audiences to, to pitch their 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 services or their or their products. And it seems yeah. like the podcast is like a, to me, is like the infomercial. Yeah. You know, it seems to be kind of, kind of like that. And maybe right. has more people maybe turn off the infomercial on their cable, <laughs> but maybe yes. they don't turn it off on, on YouTube. <laughs> right. Right. Well, because the podcast shouldn't be like, you're right. It is like an infomercial, but you don't want it to feel like one because people will turn off an infomercial podcast, but they're not going to turn it off when we're providing real value and when the audience mm -hmm. gets to know us. And in that sense, it absolutely shortens the sales cycle because once people listen to the podcast enough, they get the valuable, awesome information we're sharing and get to know us. Then they come to a sales call with us and like, oh my God, I feel like I already know you. And then mm -hmm. they don't have as many questions for us they they want to say yes and so then it's it's a nice conversation because they do already know so much about us because of the podcast so it's kind of like you're able to take that um kind of you know conference that we you could have a bunch of people going to a conference right. <clears throat> and they're all like a real estate conference or a sales conference and they're showing all these different strategies or different types or life coaches will have these, you know, go to these big conventions and they'll talk about these different mentoring strategies. And it's because you, you it's not just that one event, right? You can keep on doing it. And then people get to know you like a radio show host, you know, yeah. like a Howard Stern or something. They get to know you. Exactly. You get to be like that, that, v, that DJ or that VJ. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the connection people like. And I think that makes them more likely to click that link yes. and go to your, your website. And then yeah. the, the cool thing about the podcast, if they, if they go to the video ones, they actually have clickable links, yep. you know, that, that can actually 
take what they just heard or saw and actually yeah. go right to where their services, their product are, you yeah. know? So that's, I think that's probably a, a pretty good use of, you know, checking the, the click rate coming off a podcast versus coming off other things. Yeah. seems like that might be show, proven that, that it, it works. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it can take time, you know, as a marketing tool, podcasting can. It's not a just throw it up. You know, if you build it, they will come type of thing. Mm -hmm. But it the payoff is great because people really do get to know, like, and trust you, you know, if you're your real self and you're authentic and everything, and you're providing great value, which is what I expect of podcasters. So, you know, it should go without saying, but yeah. So they, you're, you're, yeah. you're creating a community through your podcast of fans that is coming back to listen to you every week, you know, however often you're publishing new episodes or the, you know, or videos with them as well. And so you are providing all this value for them and they're looking forward to it. Yeah. It's been really interesting in terms of like the lead generation in terms of like, it's like, well, how do you, how do you do a lead generation when you're an artist? Well, if you're, you know, a, a book, if you're an author, you get opportunities to get you know, asked to go to conventions, people didn't know about you. And then they say, Oh, they were on the podcast. They invite you to the convention. They invite you to the Comic-Con. They yeah. invite you, you know, to, to, you know, to, to actually work with other people or, or uh, cover. I want to ping this author, like what she's doing. Maybe she wanted to look at my covers. So you get yeah. all kinds of collaborative opportunities yeah. within the music world. Like we get a chance to like guest on other people's albums, feature on a, be a producer on other people's records. I've had five or six different opportunities to work mm -hmm. on projects from guests. I actually got on the program we didn't know we were going to vibe that well. And then we ended up saying, Hey, we, we and then we did additional episodes. Wow. Um, I, I tend to get a lot of the artists to come back three, four times. Yeah. And so it just keeps on building this whole like Rolodex of, 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 of like-minded people in, and it, it's expanded yeah. in you know, multiple areas where, and then we get a film director said, I don't like this musician. Maybe I want to do a music video with him. Mm -hmm. And then you get, you get people who do all kinds of recording engineer. Oh, I'd like to record. I'd like to engineer on this guy's record. Yeah. And they wouldn't have never talked to each other, but you've kind of opened up the world where now people feel confident to reach out where maybe they on the convention floor, they wouldn't. That's mm -hmm. why keep, I've, I've had a couple of conversations. People have said, well, in the podcast world, you sometimes are able to get to people who would not actually talk to you. Isn't that life. amazing? They, yeah. That, that's why I find it really cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the so, podcasting community is just so cool that way. And even for people like you're describing who aren't, really in the podcasting world until you brought them into it. And then all this yeah. magic happens. It's so awesome. I love that. Who love was the, that. the most surprising guest you ever had? That somebody you didn't think you were going to have uh, oh, come gosh. on the show. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I've had really cool guests. Um, so at Geek Girl Soup, we had... Disha Filia, who is the author of The Secret Lives of Church Ladies, massive book, 
came out fall 2001, uh, 2021, sorry, 2021. And it is being turned into a series at HBO Max. That's awesome. Yes. Hoping to have her back when it is coming out on HBO Max. And at, uh, we've also had an Emmy winning uh, writer and producer of New Amsterdam and The Mentalist. She's fabulous. Erica Swafford Green. At Podcast Launchpad, I had Justin Shank on. He is huge in podcasting, Growth Now Movement. His podcast is ranked by Inc. Magazine as one of the top eight podcasts every entrepreneur should listen to. And uh, we met up on LinkedIn and I was on his show and he came on my show and it was just fabulous. Yeah. And then I've had on Alex Sanfilippo from Pod Pros, all things Pod Pros. And he's amazing. Yeah. It's just yeah, incredible. I gotta get him yeah. to come on the show. <laughs> yeah. But, so, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, to yeah, have these I, big podcasters on right away when my show is brand new was just like, oh my God, you know, dream come true. So, and Chris Kermitsos from Podfest. Like, <gasps> oh, yeah. wow. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, yes. It was awesome. Yeah. I was, I was very surprised when I got. I got two Grammy award-winning producers to show up oh. and I'm not the biggest, you know, indie musician ever. Um, I'm, I'm, but I'm kind you of just an underground. Gotta ask. But you yeah, just well, got to ask. I'm an underground right? artist. You know, and yeah. Well, the cool thing was that they just dug what I was posting. You know, yeah. they, they actually, you know, saw the stuff I was posting and they liked it. So that was That's kind of awesome. like my strategy, like on Instagram, when I see other artists that like my stuff and then I actually saw uh, a couple of Grammy award winning producers, they, they liked what I was posting. Yeah. And then I, I went and had a direct conversation and they said, yeah, I'll come on the show. And I didn't have to go through agents, didn't have to go through managers, we went right yeah. to them. And that, that has been really cool for me when I, I've actually been able to get a bunch of, a couple of emerging bands mm. that I really liked and I thought they were going to get bigger yeah. and they did. Oh. And then they still want to talk to me. Wow. <laughs> so Beautiful. I think that in itself is like, like not that I'm, I'm a fan person, but I, as, a, as a musician, I think all musicians are fans of other musicians. That yeah. those, We have our heroes. Yeah. We have the people that we are influenced by. And, you know, as a musician, we're always listening to other musicians. Yeah. And it's, that's why my whole approach initially was, what if a musician interviewed a musician instead of a journalist? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to come at it from a different perspective. Am I going to ask him things that a musician would like to ask another musician, not what a journalist would ask a musician? That's been our approach. And then I tried to open that up to like everything. Yeah. Um, and including, you know, entrepreneurs and people who are other podcasters. And it's just, I think it's interesting that the, how business has gone into podcasting full bore. Mm -hmm. When I first did it, it was like a lot of artists, a lot of mm -hmm. people just doing it for fun. And mm -hmm. now it's become something that's a lot more serious in terms of the economic, you know, structure and there's more discipline happening right. people putting together very tight shows yeah. that I still have this kind of loose radio kind of live format that I still feel that's, that's me. That's how mm -hmm. I'm going to do it. Yeah. I, I would be fake if I was trying to do something else, but um, how, how do you feel about like the, 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 the whole environment for podcasting? You, you mentioned this odd, this concept of pod fade. And mm -hmm. I, I think I did 
have seen that and that's why I have adjusted what I do, but maybe you can talk about it. Yeah. So pod fade is when people prematurely quit their podcast because of burnout, overwhelm, they didn't have a plan and it tends to happen really early in the game. Most podcasts, most podcasters quit before they even get to 10 episodes. It's really around <laughs> seven. And you'll see a bunch of podcasts out there, one episode and, and nothing else. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's really it sad. So with like the, the numbers vary. Let's say four or five million podcasts that you can find on like Spotify claims to have more podcasts than Apple Podcasts. Fine, whatever. Of the four or five million that you can find on the app, only around 350 to 400,000 are active, meaning new episodes being published regularly. Yeah. Every month being yeah, published I mean, every month. Yeah. I'm going through four or five a week. Yeah. <laughs> but the, 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 the thing with me that was weird is like once I get into something, I just get a habit. Yeah. And I just kept on doing it. And so I got yeah. over 830 episodes awesome. um, since 2016. And awesome. it was, you know, people say, oh, they only, I remember I was talking, I think Alex sent me something saying, you know, they only go like 12 months at the max. And I'm like, well, I, I can't be on that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, yeah, you'd have to, but it's, it's interesting because the th- same thing happens with musicians. Like I, I'm a 55 year old musician out of the 70s. My friends, all, all my band gave up. I'm still playing. So yeah. I think that's my discipline just because I never stopped. And I found yeah. ways that, where they thought, oh, well, if I'm not going to make it in two years, I'm giving it up. And I never gave up. I, yeah. I just became a producer and then I could keep on going. And yeah. uh, just because I like it. If, if you, you're passionate about it, I didn't really care if I was making money. And sometimes I make money, sometimes I don't. But yeah. you, like, I do the art because I love it. I do the podcast because I love it. So yeah. I think if people have the wrong expectation about what's going to happen, right. this is like the musician who thinks they're going to, oh, I'm going to break. I'm going to be in the top 10 and they never hit it. Then they give up versus right. somebody that's an indie artist and very realizes I got 50,000 fans worldwide. That's it. But I know a lot of bands that they they just have survived at that. When people say, "Oh, you can't survive it," then you can, if if you if you understand your audience, you right. pitch to you can live within that limit, and you can still work. Right. You don't have to give up. Exactly. But you know, I think people have to understand like where they are. If all musicians quit because they didn't make it into the top ten or even the top one hundred, you know, Billboard or whatever chart you want to look at. Yeah, it won't be that many around. <laughs> exactly, there'd be a hundred. There'd be a hundred musicians. That'd be it. Yeah. That we don't know. No, that'd be terrible. So no, we need to keep doing it. And same with podcasters. If we all quit for not making it into the top 10, there would be 10 podcasts per category. Boring. Oh my God. Yeah. So no. And think, yeah. it's not, you know, you could, if, you want to make money front directly from podcasting, you can do it without being in the top 10. And Definitely. you can make money from your services by having a podcast. You know, even if you are not monetizing the podcast with sponsors or ads or whatever, you can still get clients or customers or, you know, fans buying from you 
through your podcast? Yeah, I've heard stories of people getting like 30 clients and they get made hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. because of what their services are. Right. So it didn't have to hit 10,000, right. 100,000 people. Right. They had to hit the right 30 people and they still did well. And it's like exactly. if you're a musician and you get picked up to work on a video game because somebody right. saw your stuff, you get a big payday in that. You might not show up on the top 10 list on Spotify, but you still got paid. You're still right. a working musician. Still exactly. could do ads, you could do, you know, film scores, you can do commercials. There's a lot of stuff that needs music. Yeah. And so for every band that's in on some kind of ranking, there are mm -hmm. working musicians that actually provide content that's needed everywhere. Like there's yes. so many things that have music and people want music they're not gonna get a strike on. They want something exactly. original. Exactly. And you just gotta find a way to get to it and then being out in the world people find out who you are and sometimes yeah. the right people find out who you are. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. I think it's a good tool for all types of artists, you know, and I've seen like multiple types of artists from playwrights, you know, to actors and film directors, painters, you know, you know, yeah. there's, there's multiple, all the arts are involved in podcasting at a, at a high degree just because of the engagement. Yes. Of, that you can get in, in the community you can build. Yeah. You know what I would love? I don't, this probably already exists and I just haven't found it. So, you know, most indie podcasters will go to Pixabay Music or, or Sound, Ben Sound, is that it? Mm -hmm. One of the yeah, music different. places and pay little or nothing to get royalty-free licensed music for their podcast, right? I would love music that only I have that I don't have to pay a huge amount for, you know, and mm -hmm. I'd love to recommend this to people um, because, you know, indie podcasters starting out on a budget, but had like to be able to buy it from a musician's website and be like, okay, this is now mine. And they're taking it out of their inventory. Oh yeah. Do you know, if, I, well, do you I know mean, if such a thing exists? Well, there are companies that pitch our stuff that we, that you know, like I've, I'm part of a different collective. Well, I'm part of BMI, like songwriter. Yeah. And I'm, I'm in like this thing called Vampire and they license music. Yeah. It's an app. And then, you know, they go and find licensing opportunities for different groups. So they might act. I, I'm in a pool of artists who like I actually BMI licensed a bunch of my work for um, Twitch. So awesome. gamers were able to get, but I actually got approached by, like a, a a marketing company that said we want to put your music you want to put peg music on twitch and nice. license it through bmi and so yeah. I, I sometimes you have to go through like a couple partners to get to the places that do it but right. there are companies that are actually pitching you know licensed music that specifically can be used for multiple purposes like i'm on right. vampire one other bmi does stuff for me and other affiliations right. so artists will go and do that Right. Like where Vampire is actually using it, how you get to it. I don't know how you get to it. Cause I just, I'm, I'm providing my music yeah. to my agent and then they're putting okay. it out there and I don't know how you find it. I'm, <laughs> I'm, just think, <laughs> I'm just thinking about an indie musician putting something mm -hmm. together to sell their yeah. own tiny compositions. Yeah. Without going through a middle person. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think, don't know if it'd be worth I it. I think but, you know. would love, 
Yeah, I think they'd love to put that together. I think different yeah. collectives, there's mm -hmm. all kinds of electronic music collectives that would love right. to probably put that together. Yeah. You could get a bunch of artists, you know, I have I have a big list of artists, you know, I could even think about trying to build that myself uh, yeah. because uh, I don't license that. Where the, where the musician, where the artists could get paid more than they're yeah. doing now, but it's still affordable to the indie podcasters, you know, to get not, it's not custom, but mm -hmm. it's where they're the only ones who would have that music. So it gets taken out of the. Yeah, yeah, you can take it out of the catalog. You can do, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of stuff that people write. Like, I write a lot of instrumental stuff. And I know a lot of other yeah. electronic musicians that we write instrumental pieces that never got published. Yeah. So, a lot of times, what it is is like you take your unpublished work and then you provide it. And so, I yeah. have a bunch of stuff that's unpublished that I put into this pool. And then, if somebody takes it in, they get, you get, you know, it wasn't even published, but that person now has it. Yeah. So that that's the kind of thing you probably want to think about. Well, I probably even think of talking by some of my talk to some of my colleagues and yeah. see if that's something that uh, that we never thought of. Like podcasters wanted. We've always talked about oh, video game guys wanted, and, you yeah. know, advertising guys wanted. I never thought about podcasters that yeah. wanted. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I can think about it from that perspective. That's a cool. Yeah. That's a good idea. I think we're going to think Could about be it. Cool. <laughs> Could be cool. <laughs> we kind of got off track yeah, there. Uh, it's still podcasting and it's music. No, we put it all together. <laughs> no, it's a good idea because it's like that's the synergy. Because like yeah. I said, everything needs music. I do exactly. see like, you know, different platforms like Anchor has the ability that you could just grab music, but it's sometimes it's not something you really want. Um, right. Yeah. So yeah, if you want to be able to customize or mm -hmm. get better source of, right. Of like, you know, musicians, we have places that we can go to Splice, we can go to Fruity Loops, we can grab stuff and we can actually use it in a song. We wow. can go and, and pay for music and pay for that license so we can actually put it together. I'm I'm the type of music, I write my own stuff, so I don't really do that. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of producers that do in hip hop and EDM that kind of call from what's out there and they take, you know, they have to pay. Yeah, for, exactly. For use of stuff. And yeah. I, I'm, I, I'd rather just write it. Cause like, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a keyboard so I can just write it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. um, yeah, I can understand like, like people wanting to have like, Oh, I want a more atmospheric thing. Maybe it sounds like Enya or maybe it sounds like that. Cause a lot of musicians, we get pitches. So can you do a, a song that sounds like an Enya this, or it sounds like, like Burt Bacharach or it sounds like that. And then we'll go and actually write it. Wow. So we can That's get, awesome. we can actually get work. We can get yeah. work for hire where people are looking for something. Yeah, and then they we need two minutes and thirty seconds, and we need it to sound like this, and they'll have a have a description of what they want. It's like a work order. Yeah, and we need you to write this, and then you go write it, and you get it, and you get paid, and That's then they awesome. own it. And right. so, like if we had a marketplace for podcasters that could actually say, "Well, I kind of want something that sounds like an Elton John song, but it's not an Elton John song, but it has right. this vibe," you know, that's what they want. And so, okay, we, we could write that. Cool. There's yeah. tons of songwriters that could do that. So yeah, that's absolutely. Idea. Yeah. And then it's totally unique for that podcast. No one's going to turn on some other podcast and go, wait a minute. I just heard that on this other one. Unless yeah. they sample it and then we give them a copyright strike. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They, they won't play it again. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's the way the world is today. A lot of people like don't realize and then they find out. Yeah. <laughs> you can't use licensed music. <laughs> no, oh my god, permission. I talk about that on my podcast. Uh, and my 
group. Yeah. You cannot Some people don't know that. They don't know. I know. I know. Like even even if it's a clip that's available on Instagram, you cannot use it in your show. You know? And don't get your neighbor, your family member, a friend to make a song for you without having a written contract. And oh yeah. Pay them <laughs> <laughs> and make sure yeah. it's royalty free. Because if your show gets really big one day, you do not want them coming after you and say, I want royalties. <laughs> yeah, they, they can take them. Yes. You know, yeah. that, that's what you have to do. Yeah, you have to get releases. Like we get, like when we have a musician come on and we've actually played their music video, we get a release because we interviewed them. Right. So we get releases because we're actually talking about their music. Now we're trying yeah. to make music. We, we don't, we don't make right. money off their song. We right. just, we're, we're promoting them. Right. So it's promotion like and editorial. Yeah, purposes. but you're right. You so need we, a release. We're able to do that type of agreement. And, you know, that's what, what we're doing. If you're actually yeah. trying to use a theme song and you grab, oh, I'm going to grab Tear the Roof Off from Punkadelic and I just like it. Well, they, they're going to come after you. <laughs> right. so you didn't go and ask them for permission to do it. So they're not going to let you do it. Um, yes. But I And think I know so of, many shows that do that. Well, a lot of times they just don't get caught or they do get mm -hmm. caught. I mean, YouTube usually catches them pretty quick. They'll put, they'll put the claim right on. They'll just, yeah. they'll just throw it on. But when and, they're audio you know, only, they sneak by. Yeah, I think they can get sneak. If you're not on the, some of the bigger platforms that have the rights management, right. then you're able to kind of get away with it. Is once you get into the video world and you're in the YouTube, Facebook yep. world, they exactly. have tools. You know, I'm a musician. I, I, need, I, I want those tools to be there because I have yep. licensed songs and, you know, I get... I get reports yeah. about people using stuff all the time. I said, well, that's I'm cool. getting paid. <laughs> right. Right. But that's the way it is. But you know, that's kind of, I think the Napster type of thing The people yeah. don't realize yeah. that you just can't, you know, take a set and copy something and just like use it. Yep. But then people don't, you know, I think they get confused when they see DJs doing it, but they don't understand that DJs are actually paying licenses. Yeah. Like when you see these EDM DJs and they're grabbing, they're taking a lot of songs they actually are paying for that. They oh, have to wow. pay. And so, you know, and, and they're producers to a certain degree, but they have to pay for the songs they use. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, and sometimes if they come on a show, I have a hard mm -hmm. time with some of them because they have so many licenses. I can't, I can't even have them come on the show. Cause oh, I, wow. I, get, I get so many claims on it that yeah. are just like, you know, you'll get like Sony saying, well, you got to take it down. You get, you'll get Columbia saying you got to take this down because we don't have authors. So that's the only thing about that genre kind of shows you like they didn't write it. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I tend to stick with people who actually write their own stuff. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. My goodness. I hadn't yeah. even considered that. Yeah. It's a different world out there. We always have to do. And then AI is, is, is kind of coming into this again. I saw some guy that actually took Eminem's voice. And then used it to say he loved techno and then went and did it on, on a show and he didn't have the permission to do it. He actually was using his voice and actually having him say in Eminem's voice through AI stuff he never said. And then you think about that from the artistic point of view, is that right. really what we would need to use AI for? <laughs> no. And that's such a legal gray area right now is my understanding. And yeah, oh my gosh, just, yeah, so much with AI and, I, you know, all, everyone promoting chat GPT and other AI right now. And I am really precious about my voice and I love writing. And so I've tested 
chat GPT, not extensively, like, you know, I went in there, played, and I've read a lot about it. And I'm not using it for anything for me because, again, I love writing and I want everything to be in my own voice. Authentic. You know? Yeah, it's your own thing. Right. I think and it's, yeah, you I'm go on. About it. Well, yeah. I'm worried that people are going to create, I've heard what people want to do, what some people want to do. Yeah. Want to create like an artificial, like Max Headroom podcast yeah. host. Yes. They want to make an AI DJ. They want to make an AI musician yeah. and then take the actual writer or podcast content creator out of the loop and create these AI things owned by these big mega companies and make tons of money and create like, like these kind of artificial shows. Yeah. I'm mean, like, let's find if that's what you want to do. I just hope it doesn't end up really doing great because you know, creativity has always been a thing that I'm all about. That's why I got into podcasting. Yes. I celebrate independent emerging artists that are tend to write their own material, like singer songwriters, the classic singer songwriter type of person or the, you know, person to create their own business. They're still a creative person. The idea that somebody's going to just replace all that with the AI. I'm like, is not very, and I'm a technical guy. I'm an IT guy, but I'm not into AI. I, I yeah. build from scratch. So yeah. I'm kind of like, like I, I, even programmers are worried about it because they're like, oh, like you don't need us anymore. <laughs> right, right. I think my audience wants to hear me, not Max Headroom, <laughs> not, not a vocal chat GPT. And, you know, people who yeah. do want to hear that, that's fine. And that's not who I'm out to reach them. Yeah, I think there's always going to be people you. who want authentic original voices, original content. They want like a live show and maybe in the future AI would be able to do a live show. And that's fine that that's, you know, people are going to want, they want to see it. They want to see it. It's going to happen. Right. But you know, it's kind of like with DJs, you know, to me, like what happened is like, you know, like I grew up like guys like Jeff Beck and Jimmy Mm -hmm. Page, Jimmy Hendrix, Mm -hmm. you know, people like that. And then people go on stage and it's like, I'm a musician. They're on a CDJ. And I'm like, that's not Jeff Beck. That's not Jimmy. <laughs> that's yeah. not Dwayne Allman. So I, I, you know, that's different taste and that's music to you, but I'd rather go see like a, a fusion jazz band yeah, or go to New Orleans and see a, a, a real jazz band. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's just a choice. People yeah. who, who understand it are, I think there's always gonna be a market that somebody knows how to play an instrument. Somebody has an authentic voice. Yes. Somebody's a podcaster, has an authentic idea. Yep. And then the other things will happen. People will either deal with it or don't deal with it. Right. Right. I want real. I want authentic. I want someone who's going to make a mistake sometimes. (laughs) You know, do I, (laughs) do I want? So like I'm waiting for the new Peter Gabriel album to come out. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. And go (laughs) see him on his U S tour and you know, do I necessarily want to spend that kind of money on his concert tickets and then have him make some big mistake? Of course not. But you know, his voice is not so what it authentic. used to be. It yeah, is. It's, not what it it's awesome. Yeah. But like, if all of a sudden he could reach those high notes that he used to be able to, it's like, you know, that's not real. At his age, no, he can't. He like, I, I saw him on his um, tour, the like, the so tour, but so tour? like yeah, yeah. It, like ten years ago though, when he when he like redid it, Not he redid it, it again. In, yeah, yeah, two thousand fourteen, I think it was. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, 
you know, he couldn't hit some of those notes then. So, you know, yeah. nine years well. later, he's not going to be able to. And well, so you tend if, to tone it down. You, you yeah. tend to like, you, you know where you can't reach. So you don't right. go there. You tend exactly. to bring it down. Like Alan John was talking about it. Like he can't yeah. hit stuff on a yellow brick road. Yeah. He, he, he actually had this interview. I was watching it really, you know, with Bernie Toppin and they were saying like, yeah, when I, I can't under, I can't even understand how I did hit those notes. And he was like, like I hit these notes. It's like, I can't even hit them. It's like, yeah. so I had to take it down because I can't, I'll embarrass myself because I can't do it. So yeah. te that tends to happen as you get older, you just can't hit it. Yeah. So you, you change it. Yeah. And you yeah. know, you can do things with, with the multi-tracks mm -hmm. and all this stuff you can do where you can have the backing track, you can still have some of that stuff come out. Yeah. And so as a, you can do vocal tricks where you can have a bunch of layered stuff that's still coming out. You sampled sure. yourself. Yeah. From the seventies, right. you could still have it, but then right. you sing at the key that you can handle or, yeah. or the octave range you can handle. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what we do to make a, a better show. It's about the yeah. show, but exactly. like the tech, the techniques out there that you can still make it sound amazing. Mm -hmm. But like what he'll sing is within the range of what he can do now. Right. And there might be some older sampled versions of his voice that might still hit those notes. Yeah. Just so the audience can hear it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's just, you know, it's not necessarily a trick. I mean, the who used to use right. reels to do yeah. Bob O'Reilly. Yeah. Like in order to get that sequence for the teenage wasteland, that was actually running out of reel to reel tape. And wow. the band used to say we hated to have to play to that. Yeah, because sometimes the tape would break, and then we it's like, oh, the tape broke. We'll just go play it on. <laughs> oh my gosh. But, wow. But yeah, yeah. Even a band like That's the Who wild. tried to yep. tried to use tech. <laughs> yep. And yeah, if if you rely a hundred percent on the tech, and something happens, you're at least if you're Anthony so and Townsend and 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 all those guys, they knew how to play. So yeah. they could just like, oh, exactly. just forget that one. We'll just go play. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody knows they can play. But uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a problem if you actually don't know how to play and your CPU goes right. down, then there's no show. <laughs> that that happened when my ex-husband was managing a band. Um, this is about 20 years ago now. And so I'm watching from a different place from from him and i'm i'm waiting for them to start this song and they're just futzing around like what on earth play the song and i'm just sitting there so finally i go around <laughs> to check my now ex-husband and he's like yeah the the thing broke in the keyboard that and i don't remember all the the terminology but that it had the backing I the sequencer, the sequencer yeah thank broke. you yeah and so they couldn't play it Okay, well then do the next song. No, they needed it for everything. Oh my god. Yeah, that's a problem. Really? Yeah, if you're if wow. you depended on some of some of these bands are dependent on their backing track so heavy that yeah. they can't just go out like the almonds and just play it. Yeah. Like like if you're like yeah. a traditional rock band like a Stones or something, the like Black Crows, they they're blues based band. So they can always yeah. play it. But yeah. if you if you're a jazz based band, like you know, you can always play. But if you're totally in the box, then we call it in the box, yeah. you're subject to that box going down. Yep. Where like I'm an old school electronic, I play Moogs and rolling live keyboards when I'm yeah. not running sequencers. Yep. I can actually play it. If something goes down, I'll just play. Yeah. I mean, I have sequencers to get help me out, but if they go down, yeah. I can probably get like ten of them. 
So a lot of us, we have backups over the backups over the backups. So it goes, now I'll use one of those. But if you depend on just one, with some bands today are dependent on one, they just give it too much, uh, they too much faith. And I, I just yeah. never, I, I'm a tech person. I never trust tech that much. So I have backups on my backups. <laughs> and it's just like, can I, I'm into Murphy's Law. And usually when yeah. you do a show, everything that can go wrong will go wrong. So it's better be prepared. <laughs> Absolutely. But, they finally got this one taken care of, but it took like half an hour. And yeah, it was not cool. Yeah. It's a lot of, but, yeah. Yeah, it's oh like, a lot of bands get stuck with that today. Um, yeah. It's like I always tell these guys, like, can, can you actually play the guitar or the bass or the drum? Can you actually do it? Or actually, <laughs> are you totally in the box? Right. You know, and I'm like, because I really like, I have to deal with it. That's just me. Um, yeah, that's, that's a going into a sidebar. But yeah, that's the way the world we live in. And, uh, yeah. uh, you know, I'm, I'm always pushed to know how to play. So a lot of a lot of the people I come, come on my show are actually, you know, true musicians. Yeah. And um, I look at other people and say they're producers. Not that they're mm -hmm. not a musician, but there's a difference right. between a producer and a musician. Yes. Musician can still play if the computer goes down. Right. <laughs> right. It's kind of key. Uh, yeah. So, so that's the way. Yeah. Yeah. So musician I, can play really great... in the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. We'll they play no pick up the what. guitar or the just... piano and yeah. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. You just jump on a piano and acoustic guitar. I love unplugged stuff. Yeah. I, I had a big like festival a couple of years ago. I had all my podcast guests you know, show how good they are by just saying like, Hey, just do an unplugged 30 minute mm -hmm. concert from wherever you are. And we mm -hmm. called it the bedroom producer festival and people were just nice. playing in their bedroom. And it was kind of just showing you like the true talent that musicians have. They can just go off and just do it. And it was very beautiful to see everybody just do things and, you know, without all the elaborate stuff, without yeah. all their, all the all the things you can have just just play that acoustic guitar or play that piano without anything else and you know i think that people why people like to unplug yeah and kind of why i do live podcasts because i don't necessarily like perfection mm -hmm. i've always been into happy accidents yeah i always tell people like if you listen to exile main street that's not the way things are produced today mm -hmm. right that there are tons of like errors in the recording mm -hmm. but those errors are what makes us song the whole you know they producers wouldn't let him do it today right but that right. stuff is like keith richards that's the way he plays and yeah. so that's that's what it is and it's beautiful and and the key changes and the kind of off the cuff kind of ramshackle stuff nature of it and True. sometimes it's good to have a little chaos <laughs> it's absolutely my, a big purveyor of that <laughs> totally agree love it so I love to have I love having you on the show. I think we're at, we're at kind of at the closing time. We want to let people know that you can click the HTTPS forward slash um, forward slash Angela Kelly um, Smith .com, and you can get everything about you there. Is that what 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 do you offer there? So my work is mostly with women entrepreneurs. I will work with other people though uh, <laughs> to help them start their own podcast as a marketing tool for their business. So I do one-on-one -on -one work and I have the Women Podcasters Academy, which is a full course and group to help you launch a podcast. 
That's awesome. So that will be fully clickable when we're on uh, our partners, such as Spotify Video Podcast, Apple, and Google Play, and Stitcher, and all these other places that where you can find us. And uh, thank you again for being on the show. We'll be fully published tomorrow. We've been live on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, but we will be on our other partners um, through our distribution channels by tomorrow. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Thank you again for being on the show.